Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. The Juwan Howard era of Michigan basketball is off to a much better than expected start, losing only to number one Louisville at their place last week. With us today is beat writer James Hawkins of the Detroit News to talk Michigan hoops. First, a few of my thoughts to get us started today. We found out on Sunday we're headed to the Citrus Bowl on New Year's Day to play Alabama. I'm not sure you could call this a good matchup for us, but there is no denying it is a great opportunity. Alabama is 10-2, and and I would argue they are the most talented team we will play this year, even more talented than Ohio State. If Tua hadn't gone down, the tide would have rolled into the playoffs. Even without Tua, this is a very scary and talented team, which is also why it's a great opportunity for us. Beat Nick Saban and Bama in the Citrus, and we will have positive momentum going into the spring. If nothing else, this is a ratings blockbuster matchup, and other than the playoff games, should garner a huge television audience. In the coming weeks, we'll spend more time previewing the Citrus Bowl. This week, let's give Juwan Howard and his team some time and attention. You never know how a coaching transition will go. So far, though, it's been seamless and fun to watch. Beat writer James Hawkins joins us next on this week's Game Day segment here on The Michigan Man in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Stay with us. Here with us on our game day segment this week is beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. And with football season, you know, almost over, it's time to focus in on basketball. What's already been a great start, James. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, good to be back. Thanks for having me. I don't think any of us knew what to expect when the season tipped off. Uh, It's a big transition year. But I think at this point, it's fair to say for those of us paying attention, Juwan has these guys playing some hoops right now, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean... I don't know how many people, like, coming into the season, if people really thought um, Michigan was going to get off to the start that they did. And if you looked at this uh, this stretch that they uh, are in the middle of right now, too, where they, you know, they went to the Battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas and there was uh, four ranked teams. I don't know if uh, many people expected Michigan to, to kind of win that tournament. And, I mean, through, through nine games of the season, I don't know if many people, you know, pegged their one loss to be against the, uh, the top-ranked team to the nation on the road. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think you could really envision a, a better start to the, the whole Juwan Howard era, um, here at Michigan. And, um, I mean, just what they've been able to do so far has, uh, has been, you know, nothing short of, uh, of impressive so far. Oh no, absolutely. And it's amazing to watch. I mean, the first few games I tuned in, the pace we were playing at was so fast compared to uh, the beeline era. And after the first few games, I said, hmm, I wonder, do we have the personnel that can really keep up this kind of a pace? But uh, they have so far. Yeah. I mean, they got, I mean, a lot of the guys can, I mean, it just kind of speaks to the versatility of all the, of all the players they have on the team. I mean, it doesn't seem like a the guys have had trouble kind of adapting to, to Juwan's system and wanting to, to kind of pick up the pace. I mean, there's several guys, you know, Isaiah Livers has said, you know, I mean, John Beeline, he didn't have a problem with, you know, the team taking, you know, quick shots just as long as they were smart shots. And, I mean, the big thing that Juwan, Juwan Howard kind of emphasizes is, you know, if, if you get an open shot to shoot it, I mean, he kind of considers, you know, if you turn down an open shot, he, he kind of considers that a turnover. But, yeah, I don't think, I don't think the guys have, uh, have had any trouble kind of adapting to, 
kind of you know playing at a faster pace and kind of wanting to get out get out and transition and score you know i think they uh they've taken to it pretty well and um I mean, I think that's something that Michigan did well last year was when they when, when they were able to get out and transition and kind of score and get out on the break. And uh, I mean, yeah, it, it hasn't really been a rocky a rocky transition transition at all here, going from a uh, beeline system to Howard system. But yeah, I think that just kind of speaks to the the character of the guys and just their, their versatility and being able to to adapt from you know one one system uh, to another, you know, just within uh, the short amount amount of time. I think another question a lot of fans uh, had was um, after the defense the team had played the last couple of years is, you know, how would that translate with uh, Coach Howard coming in? He was a defensive specialist in the NBA, to be fair, though. Right now, uh, this team, you know, it might have been sloppy the first few games. You can say that about a lot of aspects of the uh, of the game, but the defense is really tightening up and playing very well, too, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, d- their defense is still, you know, one of their strengths of the team. And, I mean, I think they showed that in that Louisville game. I mean, they're shooting. I mean, some of their numbers were the worst in years. I think it was their lowest shooting percentage since that horrific South Carolina game where I think they shot 19% like three years ago. And it was their lowest uh, scoring total since I think that loss to Eastern Michigan like five years ago. And, I mean, when you just look at those numbers and you saw at one point in the second half, I think they were only – they cut it to within four points. And, I mean, Louisville, they never – I mean, they could have – kind of run away with that game at, at any point, but they never did just because Michigan's defense kind of kept them in that game and kind of, you know, kept it from being, you know, kind of being a blowout. And, I mean, you think of that, too. They were playing their fourth their fourth game in seven days, and that kind of speaks, I guess, volumes to the, the defensive effort that they gave in that game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they are doing some things differently. I mean, if you think back to last season, um, one of the big things they did on ball screens was they, they uh, hard-hedged a lot of ball screens with uh, – with John Teske. Um, but this season there's a little bit of, of a difference in like the ball screen coverages. Like you see a lot of times John Teske kind of drops back um, to kind of cut off the lane and protect the rim more. So and I think they're doing that more. So just cause as we, as we lose to it, the offense, they kind of play with a quicker pace. I think they're doing that more so to kind of help, I guess, uh, conserve John Teske's energy on, on the defensive end. So he's not, they're not, you know, kind of burning him out as much over there because they're trying to, you know, get out and run as much as possible and kind of pick up the pace on the uh, on the offensive end. But, I mean, for sure, I mean, they still have the the defensive backbone of the team that they've had from the past couple seasons and uh, Xavier Simpson and John Teske. And, I mean, as, as long as Xavier Simpson's on the floor, I mean, guys are going to be, you know, guys are going to be told to play defense. They're going to have to play to, to the same defensive level that Xavier, you know, obviously uh, – Xavier does, and he yeah. obviously you know sets the tone for that team on the defensive end. Talking about the tone setters, uh, Teske, Livers, Xavier, Simpson, uh, they are the clear-cut leaders in many ways on this team, aren't they? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, they're the they're the veterans on this team, and I mean, you kind of look at a, I mean, you look across college basketball. I don't know how many teams have you know two senior starters, two junior starters in their in their lineup, and the one thing that I think that helps with any coach in the, in the transition when you're taking over a team is, I mean, you can't, you can't duplicate winning experience. I mean, if you look at, you know, the, the resume that Isaiah Livers, John Teske, Zero Simpson, the resume that these guys have, I mean, they've played in big 10 tournament finals. They played in, you know, sweet 16, the, the national title game. I mean, these guys have, have no shortage of winning experience. And I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, when Juwan Howard takes, takes over, I mean, obviously there's, no concerns. I mean, oh, can Juwan Howard coach? Um, you know, how they can how they going to replace you know the team's you know top three leading scorers when they when they all left early? Um, I mean, you can just look at this. I mean, you have core pieces that I mean, all they know what to do is win, 
I mean, I think that you've kind of seen that so far. I mean, that's like I said, it's kind of hard to hard to replace winning experience, and Michigan, you know, has has had no shortage of it, and it, and it starts with the you know, those three guys that they have kind of leading the team this season. You know, I absolutely agree 100% there. And uh, another aspect of the team now is uh, some of the uh, some of the youth we're seeing. Franz Wagner, a guy we, uh, we waited to see uh, ever since the day he committed. And, of course, then he had the wrist injury. Played in five games so far, but I like what I'm seeing. You, you really can see a huge upside in him, James, can't you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously he had the, the late debut, like you, you mentioned, with the wrist injury. And, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's close to being you know, to his top form yet. I think no. the, the best with him is still yet to come. I mean, because you, you look back, I mean, he got he got thrown into the fire there in the, the battle for Atlantis, <laughs> um, kind of getting thrown into the starting lineup and having to play um, heavy minutes in, you know, three games in three days. And that's not an easy task, especially considering the competition they played with Iowa State, uh, North Carolina, and Gonzaga. And then obviously going on the road and playing Louisville. Um, I mean, he hasn't really had a, a ton of time to kind of, you know, get back to his uh to his peak form and playing shape and like I said I think that's going to take some time for him to get there but definitely I mean the one thing that's that's kind of impressive uh so far is just his his defense I mean there's there's been plenty of times where especially in the battle for Atlantis I mean he was he just makes a lot of smart defensive plays like he just gets his hands in the passing lanes and he'll deflect passes sometimes without even looking he just you know guys cutting he kind of just gets his hand down there and he kind of deflects the deflects the pass and um, I mean, I don't think his, his shooting stroke has, has been there. Um, I think the big thing that um, he was known for, you know, when he was playing with Alba Berlin in Germany was, you know, his outside shooting. And I mean, I think that's still, you know, coming along. I think that'll kind of, you know, get better, like I said, as he kind of gets his, his legs back under him. But yeah, that's definitely the potential is there, and you can see why. And I think just the biggest thing with him is his defense because, I mean, if you look at what, the first four games when, he was out and Adrian Nunez was on the floor. I think, you know, defense was kind of the the biggest thing where, um, you know, Adrian Nunez had, uh, you know, he left a lot of room to be desired. Um, and now with, with Franz in that lineup, um, you know, I mean, most, most teams, their top player, top scorer is going to be, you know, probably a perimeter guy, a guy in the wing and having a guy like, like Franz, who's, you know, is kind of ahead of the curve, I guess, defensively and is a, is a pretty smart defender. I think that helps. And I think you can look at, what he kind of did against Louisville. I mean, he kind of got tasked with guarding Jordan Nawara, who's a, you know, preseason All-American. <laughs> and I mean, granted, he, granted, I mean, he put, he scored, you know, 20 plus points, but I mean, it, it took him 23 shots to get there. So I think that kind of, you know, speaks to the, you know, Franz's uh, defensive ability. Well, when the season started, I think we all knew we had uh, Teske, Liver, Xavier, a lot of the offense was going to come through there, hoping Franz Wagner would step in. But what surprised me so far is the improvement we're seeing from some returning players. Eli Brooks, a huge difference from last year. David DeJulius looks like a different player. And now Brandon Johns Jr. looks like he's slowly but surely getting more confident, I think is the big thing with uh, with Brandon from what we read. But they are contributing nicely. Even Austin Davis getting minutes. Right, yeah. I mean, they've had numerous guys step up. And I think that's been one of the the key takeaways so far to the season. I mean, they have, they've had different guys kind of step up at different times. I mean, you look at, the Iowa State game where John Teske gets in early foul trouble, it was kind of Colin Castleton and, and Austin Davis kind of stepped up and, uh, and kind of picked up the slack in, the, in in that game. And then you look at the North Carolina game where Xavier Simpson was in foul trouble, and you have Eli Brooks and David Julius kind of pick up the slack in that game. And I think you mentioned the confidence with Brandon Johns. I think co- confidence has been like the one reoccurring word. I've, I've heard a lot this season. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've heard it as much in past seasons. And 
that's the big thing a lot of a lot of players on this team have been talking about with Jawan Howard is just like the confidence he instills and kind of builds up in guys. I think that's what you what you've been seeing so far and and I think heading into the season I think one of the bigger questions was kind of what's going to happen at that two-guard spot, you know, when with the, the the spot that Jordan Poole vacated. I mean, Eli Brooks has, I mean, more than more than filled that role. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that hasn't even been a concern at all this season. And like we said, his, his confidence, um, I mean, he mentioned at times uh, last season when he would come in, you know, with the role he had coming off the bench, if he would, you know, come in and miss a shot, he would kind of maybe be, be deterred, you know, kind of lose confidence and kind of pass up on that next shot. But this season, I mean, that hasn't really happened at all. I mean, he, he seems a lot more confident kind of taking taking shots, even if, uh, you know, he misses a couple of early shots. He hasn't been, you know, it has, he hasn't shied away from taking that nice shot, and I think that, you know, just speaks to the, the confidence that he has in himself this season. And the same thing, yeah, with, with Brandon Johnson, he, he mentioned he was kind of, he would get in his head at times last season, and, and obviously, too, it helps with Brandon because he was, he was playing out of position, out of necessity last year just because that, that backup five spot behind John Teske last year, as we know, was kind of a revolving door. There really wasn't a, you know, a solid replacement that they could constantly turn to um, last season. And now he's back out at the four. And we saw that he, you know, he kind of knocked down some open shots in the game against Iowa. And just kind of the hustle plays and the energy that he ha- that he has been providing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's been one of the most encouraging signs so far this season is just, the the depth that Michigan has shown and just how in different games it seems like it's like it's just been different guys stepping up each time at the the kind of pace that Jawan plays it's not like Coach Beeline's style which it seemed like by Big Ten season he had a seven or eight man rotation he was pretty much going with but if we're going to play this pace this year the depth is going to be key especially when we get into February and March isn't it oh for sure I mean depth depth is key every year and. I mean, yeah, that's, I think that's – you just look at this, this stretch that they've, they've played in. I mean, this – it was kind of hard to kind of gauge this Michigan team over, like, those, those first four games. I mean, the Creighton, Creighton game was kind of an early test, but I think when they're in this, the, the seven-game stretch that they're in, I think was kind of when you're going to kind of – well, I think everyone thought we were going to learn more about this team. I think what they've – that's the one thing they've shown is just uh, the depth that this team has had, and that's, that's key um, heading into the Big Ten season because, as you know, the Big Ten is – is a different beast, and I mean, just looking around the conference, I think we can we can see that the Big Ten is going to be you know among one of the best conferences in the nation again. I mean, just look at what Ohio State has done, kind of blowing out you know Villanova and and uh, North Carolina, and uh, what Purdue did dismantling Virginia, and you know Michigan State's still going to be one of the top teams, and uh, Maryland's you know what a top five team again. So I mean, that's that's always key, especially heading into this the Big Ten season each and every year is kind of building that depth. And, and Michigan has certainly done that um, so far this season. And it's it's been nothing short of encouraging just seeing um, some of the guys that, you know, played these, these smaller roles last season. And you kind of didn't know what you were going to get from this season. But, I mean, like we pointed to, I mean, Colin Castleton has, has kind of upped his game and he's kind of helped, you know, solidify that backup five role. Like I mentioned earlier, that mm-hmm. was kind of a question mark the entire season last year. And then, Dave DeJulius has uh, has come along, and he's talked about how, you know, Juwan Howard has kind of, you know, been like CPR to his career, because um, he's he's come in and he's kind of been that key that key guard, the first guard off the bench, and like we said, Brandon Johnson, he's just playing with confidence, and that's kind of the big key with him. And and I mean, these past few games, you've kind of seen that they've kind of just been kind of playing more of a, 
more of an eight eight man rotation. You know, kind of the main guys coming off the bench have been Dave, Colin, and and Brandon. But I mean, like we've seen so far this season, I mean, they have guys who can who can come in if they need to go deeper into the bench if they're soft trouble or, or what have you. Like as we alluded to, I mean, Austin Davis has provided solid minutes. I mean, Adrian Nunez too. I mean, he yeah. can still play. I mean, he started the first four games, but I just think um, Michigan just hasn't needed him because, um, like I said, I don't think he kind of brings the defense kind of quite to the level that Franz Wagner has. And um, I think that just kind of, you know, Franz Wagner just kind of brings much more on the defensive end and much more on the offense as well. Um, but, yeah, the, the depth has been promising so far as to what uh, Michigan has been able to show this season. Well, I've tried to pinch myself, I think, like a lot of Michigan fans, and not get too excited yet. Uh, I was expecting it was going to take some time, maybe an entire season, but uh, Juwan and his staff seem to be meshing very well and it's very clear these guys the players have really bought into this haven't they yeah for sure like I think everyone thought there was going to be you know uh growing pain so to speak you know with obviously with a new head coach new system new coaching staff um but yeah there hasn't there hasn't been uh any of that so far I mean you can look I mean the only I mean the Appalachian State game kind of maybe when they <laughs> Appalachian State kind of made that comeback and kind of made made it a little uneasy there I mean that you could have thought like, oh man, this is going to be kind of a an up and down roller coaster type of season, but they really haven't had that ever since that game. It's been, I mean, it's kind of just built leads and kind of put teams away. I mean, like I said, you just look to the the battle for Atlantis was kind of the big measuring stick for this team, kind of just to see where they were at. And I mean, they kind of just, you know, <laughs> dominated North Carolina and, and Gonzaga. And I mean, that's kind of a an eye opener to you know just how how good this team can be. And it, I mean, they haven't really let up let up with it yet i mean they kind of uh put up over 100 points on iowa and that kind of i speak to the speak to the volume of this team's uh you know character and ability to kind of move that move on from a from a pretty uh i guess you could say um uh demoralizing loss i guess in a sense i mm-hmm. mean that louisville game just like we said where it just seemed like where nothing went right and then you move on and you go to the next game where it seems like they couldn't miss i mean they opened the game with you know, making eight of their first 12 shots and kind of just getting that taste out of their mouth right away and showing that they can bounce back off from a pretty pretty tough loss. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just seems like this transition, um, everyone everyone has uh, taken to it uh, pretty easy. And, I mean, Juwan Howard mentioned before the season, you know, that there's there's going to be growing pains. But, I mean, like I said, outside of that, that season opener, I don't really know if, there, if you can really point to many uh, – tough times or tough stretches where this team has really kind of had to go through this season. But when you look at some of the early season victories, Creighton, North Carolina, Gonzaga, Iowa on uh, Friday night, et cetera, et cetera, very impressive. And you can't get that lucky or can't get lucky that many times. Have you seen enough to say, yes, this is already a good team? Oh, for sure. I think one of the key, one of the key things is um, like we, we talked about earlier was that they had a, the big thing for this team was replacing the, the scoring production that they lost. I mean, they lost their top three scores, but the one thing that's been impressive is, has been just the, the balance of scoring that they have this season. That was kind of the same thing last season, but last season it was more so if you had any any of the two out of Jordan Poole, Ignis Brasdakis, and Charles Matthews, like, it seems like if any of those two, if two of those three guys had a good game, Michigan was more so, more than likely going to win. Um, but this season, it's you just look at the balance of scoring that this team has had, and I mean, they're they've been through nine games so far and they've already had four leading scores um so far this season and you look at the Iowa game I mean they had 
six guys score at least twelve points. And I think <laughs> yeah. they've had they've had multiple games this season where they've had they've had you know five players in double figure scoring. And I mean that's just kind of one of those things where if you're an opponent and you're facing a team where I mean you have you know or any any guy in the starting lineup is capable of scoring you know like fifteen plus points. I mean it's kind of hard to to kind of game plan for and kind of shut down one guy when you know any of the other four guys are capable of, of picking up the slack. And I think that's been one of the uh, one of the key takeaways so far this season. And and another thing I think that's kind of been overlooked so far is uh, Xavier Simpson's three point shooting. Yeah. Um, you kind of look back to last season. Um, you can think of when teams were kind of sagging off of him and you know not really respecting him him as a three point shooter and that kind of affected other guys. You know, if other guys were trying to drive, Xavier's defender would kind of maybe sag down to the lane and kind of cut them off. But I mean, look at his look at his three point shooting numbers so far this season. He's shooting like forty four percent, and I think that speaks volumes to just the work he put in. And I mean, you think back to last season. Um, I mean, two seasons ago it was his free throw shooting, especially late in games, that was kind of always a liability. I mean, last season that was the one thing he worked on, and that was kind of like wasn't a, a concern at all late in games. He kind of worked on that and shored up that area. And this season, like I said, I mean, he's he's shot it at a more than respectable clip. And I think if that's something that he can continue and carry on, especially in the big 10 season, I think that's going to, it's going to do, that's going to help out the rest of the, the rest of the guys on the, on the floor so much, just because like I said, um, teams really didn't respect him as a three point shooter. And it kind of, you know, like his defender was able to, to go down and kind of cut, cut guys off. So, I mean, if Xavier can kind of keep that, um, his shooting percentage and just be a respectable three point shooter, I think that's going to, bode well for um, the team kind of helping keep the floor open and kind of space the floor for other guys to kind of get into the lane. Um, and I think another thing we're going to we're gonna have to wait and see is um, Michigan, if they can come up with counters, because we saw Louisville, um, Louisville coach Chris Mack kind of talked about how their focus was kind of shutting off Xavier and, and keeping him from getting in the lane. And uh, we're going to have to see, you know, if, what Michigan can do to counter that. Um, Cause obviously, you know, once we get into big 10 season, um, there's going to be much more familiarity with, with teams and the, and the scouting is going to be more, there's more scouting, more film on teams. So um, I'm sure that's going to be something we're going to try to see again. And it'll be interesting to see what, you know, Juwan Howard tries to do to counter that when teams maybe try to do that and cut off Xavier Simpson from getting in the lane and, you know, kind of being able to get down there and kick out and, just kind of pick apart teams in, in ball screen. Here with us on our game day segment this week is beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News as we uh, get back into hoops with uh, football season, just the bowl uh, game left, uh, so it's winding down. So when we look ahead to January, really, I mean, we have everyone's going to play two Big Ten conference games uh, here in December. Uh, we have Illinois coming up on Wednesday night. When you look around the Big Ten, James. I know you haven't seen everyone. I've been able to see a lot of uh, early action from, from the conference. You have to say from top to bottom, uh, wow. I mean, there is not going to be one night you can be off. It's going to be a battle. No, it's going to be the it's going to be the same thing as last season. I mean, last season, the Big Ten was arguably one of the best conferences in the in the entire country, and it's going to be the same, same thing this year. I mean, you just look at the you know, the AP rankings, I mean, how many teams are already ranked in, like, the top 20? I think there's, like, five, five, six teams, something like that. I mean, you look at, it's like, the same thing in Ken Palm. I think there's, um, I mean, I think there's, like, six, six teams in the top 26, uh, six, big, six big 10 teams in the top 26 in Ken Palm's rankings. Um, yeah, it's, there's not going to be, um, 
any easy nights, I mean, you're going to have to bring your A game every single night or else you're going to get beat. And I think it's going to be kind of one of those same things like as last season. I mean, as long as you're able to defend home and you can maybe win, you know, 50% of your, your road games, go 500 on the road, I mean, you have a pretty good chance of, of competing for a Big Ten title. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, just the top teams this year. I mean, like, like I was pointing to earlier, I mean, Ohio State looks like one of the best teams in the nation so far. I mean, they could – you know, quite possibly be, you know, the number one team or at least the number two team in the nation when the new AP rankings come out this week. Um, I mean, like I said, you looked at Purdue. Purdue lost probably one of the best players in the conference, and they kind of, you know, they blew out, you know, Virginia already this season. I think it was like a 29-point point win they had. And uh, uh, Michigan State, I mean, granted, they have three losses already this season, I mean, but they lost to Kentucky and Duke. And, I mean, Cassius Winston still one of the top players of the uh, in the nation, he's had to go through arguably one of the worst things anyone has to go through, and it's kind of understandable that they might have, you know, Michigan State has struggled, um, I guess, through as they're kind of wading through um, this period where, you know, like I said, Cassius Winston's kind of going through something that no one should have to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Michigan obviously is playing as as well as any as any as well as any other team in the nation. Maryland's. Uh, you know, another team that's ranked in the top ten. So yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a grind of a season um, once Big Ten play really really picks up. And uh, another team is Penn State. I mean, Penn State's really gonna be a, a team that's gonna push for a an NCAA tournament bid. And I mean, they really kind of have picked up from last season where um, they kind of had that strong finish. So yeah, I don't think it's gonna be um, there's not gonna be any easy nights um, in the Big Ten this season. And I think it's just gonna be much much more of the same as, as it was to last season. No, I agree with that. Uh, a lot of just from top to bottom, as we said, very, very solid conference. This week, of course, uh, on the road to Champaign-Urbana to play Illinois. Then back, I think, Saturday is Oregon, right? Yep, so it's going to be a, another tough week, and it's going to be kind of the end of this uh, the seven-game stretch where you know I think a lot of people look to as kind of uh, the uh, the t- maybe one of, arguably one of the toughest stretches this team is going to go through this season. And uh, so far, they're already four and one so far through this stretch so uh, i mean if they're able to pick up you know these these last two wins i think that's gonna be a pretty impressive stretch uh to this uh and start to this season heading into like uh the last two games of the uh the non-conference game uh, heading into the new year focusing for a moment on the uh, the game wednesday night in champaign illinois we haven't mentioned them as being one of the uh one of the top tier big 10 teams but they go down to maryland and had a chance to win that game this is going to be a dogfight wednesday night in champaign urbana yeah illinois is a team where i mean they actually came in with much higher expectations they're a team that you know some people might have thought they were going to be a uh probably still think they're going to be a, a top five top six team in the conference i mean they do have the talent i mean they have uh point guard io i don't want to butcher his last name so i'm not even going to try <laughs> um that's him they have georgie the the forward i mean they, they have talent and yeah it's going to be a, a grinded out of a game i mean it kind of was last season when michigan went down there it was a, a game where i don't think michigan kind of really pulled away until so late in the second half and um yeah they're going to be a, another team that's going to be pushing for for an NCAA uh, tournament berth uh, this season. And, yeah, that, that Maryland game, that kind of was a uh, collapse, I guess, in a sense for them. I mean, that probably was a game they should have won, and that would have been a pretty marquee win for them. And then, uh, I mean, they're coming off two kind of tough losses that, and then there was the Miami game in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, too, where they kind of got down big, but they kind of made a late rally, and they only fell by by two points. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be kind of a team that's going to be, uh, I don't want to say desperate, but they're going to be, uh, you know, looking to kind of bounce back after these two tough losses. So it's not going to be a – 
an easy environment for uh, Michigan to kind of go into uh, in the road. And obviously Michigan's still going to be a, you know, one of the top top 10 teams. I don't think they're going to slip too much in the rankings following that one loss to Louisville. Um, so definitely it's going to be a, a rowdy environment. And I mean, Michigan's going to have a target in their back heading in there. And uh, I was definitely going to give them uh, their best shot when they head there on Wednesday. Well, the final question for you, James, before we uh, let you get away here. And this is a, a John Beeline question. It appears uh, there is at least one unhappy camper on the Cavs roster that thinks Coach B and his college ways, his approach, his film work, it just doesn't work in the NBA. Were you surprised to see a story like that so early in the season? No, like <laughs> that's the that's the funny thing. Like I would I wasn't I think everyone expected a story like that to come out. I just didn't expect it to come out that soon. <laughs> and I think that is kind of coupled with like the losing streaks that the Cavaliers are in. I think they've lost like twelve or thirteen by the time that that story came out in the Athletic. Um, no, I, I wasn't surprised that a story like that did come out. Um, like I said, I was surprised it came out that early, just because I think the thing is is that the Cavaliers front office knew what they were getting uh, in a coach in John Beeline, but I don't think the players knew what they mm-hmm. were getting in a coach in John Beeline. And I think that's kind of been one of the key things. And uh, and I mean, I think when you get into the NBA, I mean, obviously we know John Beeline. Um, I mean, you look at every stop he's been at through his career, he's kind of been, you know, a, a quote unquote culture builder, and he's a uh, been a teacher. And I mean, he's he's a guy who obviously stresses stresses fundamentals and, and film and, and things of that nature. And, um, I mean, I don't think, you know, guys in the, in the NBA, I mean, I don't know if that's, I mean, I think when you get, you get to the, the NBA and the pro level, I mean, you're going to be dealing with, with guys who have egos and mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be, want to be, uh, you know, kind of go through these, these film sessions and kind of be, be taught fundamentals and kind of have fundamentals preached to them. Um, I think they probably feel like they, they know, uh, enough or they don't need to be um you know kind of be taught these things kind of go back uh, like they're back in college so i think there was going to be that whole kind of transition and kind of i guess clash of styles so to speak and i think that's still going to be something where john beeline's going to have to maybe adjust a little bit to to his players but i think it's just going to take time i mean obviously he has a five-year deal uh that he signed with the cavaliers and i think it's going to be one of those things that you're maybe going to see over time is that they're going to I would expect the, the Cavaliers front office to maybe weed out the guys who are maybe, you know, discontent or, you know, are kind of disenchanted with kind of John Beeline's methods over time. But I think the one concern would be if it's the younger guys that are that are speaking out that maybe aren't enamored with Beeline's methods. But obviously, as we as you alluded to, it was kind of that anonymous player speaking out. Um, I would think it would be more veteran players. Like I said, I think, you know, guys who have been in the league, they probably don't want to sit here and be like it's all oh, they're back in college and if they go go through film and kind of be taught um the right way to pivot the right way to to pass the ball with two hands and, and stuff <laughs> like that um but yeah i think it's going to be something where over time the cavaliers will probably um like i said they'll kind of weed up the guys who kind of aren't buying into beeline's coaching style and they'll kind of find the guys that kind of will kind of mesh with what he's trying to build there but yeah i don't think no one thought it was going to be easy and i know john beeline you know, when he took over that job, I mean, he mentioned, you know, it, he knew it was going to be a challenge because, I mean, it, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't like he was walking into a situation where he didn't know he was taking over a roster that was uh, obviously arguably had some of the worst talent and kind of had the worst record in the NBA. And uh, it's, gonna be, it's not going to, it's not going to, uh, change isn't really going to happen overnight. And it's not going to, it's going to take time for him to kind of, you know, shape, shape that culture there. And um, I mean, it's just kind of, 
it's kind of a shame that it, it, it's happened this early with guys getting a, you know, kind of, I guess, turning out, turning against him or speaking out against him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a complete shock, but it's just kind of a, I guess it's just a bit, a bit tough to see that it happened, happened that soon. But like I said, I think it'll take time for, for him to kind of build that culture and they'll kind of have to weed out the pieces and get the right guys that are going to kind of buy into what he's trying to do there. Just because, like I said, I mean, a five-year deal, I don't think, I mean, we know that the NBA choose up guys and spit them out. I mean, they've fired coaches weeks into the season, but I think the Cavaliers knew what they were getting in John Bielan as a coach, and I think they're going to try to at least give him the time to kind of give him the pieces he needs to work with to kind of see if he can kind of turn things around there. Well, my guest today has been beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. And James, it's going to be a long and exciting Big Ten season. Uh, great to have you on for the first time uh, this year on the show. And we look forward to having you back on uh, your next visit in January once uh, Big Ten season is in full swing. For sure. I'll see you then. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. On Quick Hits today, it's the end of a brutal stretch for Michigan hoops to start the season. Illinois on the road Wednesday, and then back at Chrysler on Saturday for another tough matchup with Oregon. Whatever happens, I think we're all in for a very entertaining winter of Michigan and Big Ten basketball. The number 24-ranked University of Michigan women's basketball team had four players in double figures, led by sophomore Naz Hillman with 21 points, in a 79-64 win over Oakland Sunday afternoon at Chrysler Center. They are off to an impressive 8-1 and one start and will be back in action on Saturday hosting Appalachian State at 3.30 p.m. Luke Morgan scored his third goal in as many games, but it was not enough as hockey fell 3-1 to one to number 6-ranked Penn State on Saturday night at Yost. Michigan started the weekend off on the right foot with a 4-1 win on Friday night. They will next take to the ice Monday, December 30th at 4 p.m. and battle Ferris State in the Great Lakes Invitational at Little Caesars Arena. They are 6-10-2 overall, 2-7-1 in Big Ten play, not the start that they wanted this year. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we know what's next for Michigan football, and in the coming weeks we will start previewing the Citrus Bowl matchup with Bama. That will do it for today. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to tell your friends and family about the show. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!